Good morning, Ridge Church. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, which I think I have most of you, but if I've missed somebody, I'm Rusty, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Uh, Pastor Bobby and his family are taking some family time, some vacation time, uh, some much-needed family vacation time. Uh, so uh, he'll be back next week as we kick off a new series next week. But today we're going to finish up the series on five lies of the devil. And so far, we've covered four of those five, right? We've covered God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. We covered uh, the better you are, the more you're accepted. That's another lie. We've covered just follow your heart, how that's a lie. And last week we covered it's not okay uh, to be not okay, and another lie. So uh, we'll finish up the series today. Before we get started, I have a really simple question for you. What makes you happy? I mean, for real, what makes you happy? Just in your normal, everyday life, what are things that make you happy? Uh, if you'll get your phones out, they'll put my, my phone number up on the screen, and I want you to text me. Uh, go ahead and plug that in, and there's, there's two sort of fill-in-the-blank sentences. You can pick one. They're virtually the same. Uh, one is, I would be happy if, okay, I would be happy if, blank, um, or uh, if only something, I would be happy. Either way, don't fill out all the other part. Just sort of put the blank part in there. Uh, what, what is it that makes you happy? Okay. Now, we look for happiness in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different places, right? And I got to, in prepping for the sermon, I got to sort of thinking about it. And I got to looking around, and I made... I made a shocking discovery about myself because kind of a disturbing discovery actually apparently one of the things that makes me happy now are shoes <laughs> now most of my life most of my life I had like three pair of shoes in my adult life I may have maxed out at six at some time and I sat there the other day, and I looked in the floor, and I thought, I've got shoes everywhere. And so I counted them up. Twenty-five pairs of shoes. What on earth is up with that? Now, don't get me wrong. I can rationalize a reason to have every single pair. Every single pair. I mean, I've got shoes to work out in the yard in. I've got shoes for that once every 10 years when it snows. I've got, you know, I've got boots for rain. I've, I've got a lot of blasted shoes. Now, I will confess that I have one pair of shoes that really makes me happy. <laughs> Those are my happy shoes. Yes, they are a big, fuzzy pair of golf looking shoes that are house shoes now don't judge and don't be hating because i know you want my happy shoes but i ain't giving up my happy shoes <laughs> when things are tough all i have to do is put on those shoes kick back in my recliner and things change for me seems like okay so but shoes so and i got to think about what are some other ways that make uh, that make me happy and i'm thinking well okay uh, you know uh, obviously spending time with my daughter is a great time of happiness uh, in this last year, I've got to where I really enjoy just writing on a, a variety of different things, writing projects that I've, I really enjoy spending time doing. I enjoy it when Oak Ridge High School wins a ball game, when UT finally wins a ball game. 
uh, when my Seahawks win. I, it, it makes me happy when the 49ers and Patriots lose. And don't put Florida in there too. Uh, you know, it, you know, it, hanging out with friends, a good meal, a good report from a doctor, and apparently shoes make me happy, okay? So let's, let me take a look here, see what, uh, what you've sent me that uh, makes me happy or makes you happy. Seriously, I got one, that's it? <laughs> okay, here they come. Oh, here they, I got to come. Yeah, Florida Gators win. Um, makes me throw up a little bit in the back of my throat. But uh, unlimited, unlimited donuts. Oh, man. You, you so got busted right there. Uh, I would be happy if my husband put his phone down for 24 hours. Hmm. If only I had more to do. Um, okay, so we sort of established a baseline for happiness. So let's talk about a lie that the devil tells us about happiness, though, as we finish up this series. The lie would be that above all else, God wants us to be happy. Above all else, God wants us to be happy. That's a lie. Now, when we start to believe this, it sends us down a road of misbeliefs. There is sort of a side note here to sort of step out of the sermon just for a second, a little bit, but a very popular thing in our society, in our country right now, is a thing called the prosperity gospel, where the prosperity gospel... A number of pastors have started preaching that, above all else, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And that is just not biblical. Uh, in 2 Timothy, there's not a slide for this, but in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So we have to be very careful not to start down this road of misbeliefs about happiness and get taken further and further away from the truth, okay? And it, it isn't that God is some cosmic party pooper that wants everybody to be miserable. I mean, that, that's not it. That's another lie for then we can talk about it another time. And, and I would really, standing here, I would love to be able to truthfully tell you that above all else, God wants you to be happy. Uh, but, but that's just, it's not so. It would be very easy for me to take some scripture and explain, twist it a little bit, take it out of context, explain it a little bit to make it sound very much so. For example, and again, remember, this is, I'm not saying this, this is if I wanted to twist it. I could take... Psalms 97, 12, and the, the first part of that verse says, may all who are godly rejoice. And if I stopped right there, may all who are godly rejoice. And if I just stopped right there, I could go, okay, so rejoice. Rejoice means happy, right? It means happy and godly. Aren't we all godly? I mean, we're here. Uh, 
number of us claim to be Christians, a, a number of people claim to believe in God, whether they accept Christ or not, so that doesn't make them godly, so that, that well, therefore everybody seems to be godly and we're supposed to rejoice, so we should be happy. That's what God wants for us. That, that's not what it says, though. And again, that's out of context, and it's out of place, and it's not what we want. But when we start thinking like that, we get into this theology of happiness, okay? The theology of happiness. And the theology of happiness, it goes something like this. Whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. If you don't think that we've bought into that as a culture, then you haven't been on Facebook for a while or other social media because it's obvious that it's what makes me happy must be right and what doesn't is, is just wrong and uh, no another part of that of the theology of happiness would be discomfort delay risk sufferings inconveniences obstacles can't be God's will because they don't make me happy well that's not true either and then without knowing it the third part of the theology of happiness, what it drops into is without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure and things. All false gods. But we worship those instead. Now, in order to believe that above all else, God wants you to be happy, then we have to start believing that God exists to serve us. where we think, okay, if I come to church, if I pray, if I throw some money in the offering, maybe I even go all out and get in a life group and serve in the church. If I live a good life, if I'm a good person, then if I do all those things, then God will give me what I ask for. God's not Santa Claus. But in the theology of happiness, we treat God like he's Santa Claus. Let's make it real clear. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist. We were created to serve him. He's God. We're not. When we buy into this theology of happiness and, and believe that above all else God wants us to be happy, then if I'm not happy, apparently God's failed. God doesn't fail. Now, I, I see this a lot in church actually. And, and I, I, I see it when I hear people and I have conversations with people and I hear the conversation go like this. You know, I tried church. I tried, tried church. It didn't work for me. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I came. I, 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 I sang the songs and I, I listened to the sermon, at least most of it. And, you know, I, I, I tried and I, I prayed and gave and, and did all this stuff. And my life didn't change. I'm still sick. I still have cancer. My marriage still is all tore up. My kids are still a pain. My job still sucks. I mean, nothing's going good. It, it, it just didn't work for me. What's even more troubling is when I hear people, when I say, yeah, did you go to church Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Well, how'd it go? I didn't get much out of it. Are we here to get something out of it? God to serve us or are we here to serve God and praise and worship him
God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue Him. And He doesn't want you to pursue Him so you can get the byproduct of happiness. He wants you to pursue Him for who He is, the Creator of the universe, our Lord, our Savior. So today, let me tell you two times specifically that God does not want you to be happy. Not that He's this big party pooper, big disher out of misery, but two times that He does not want you to be happy. Okay? Number one, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise or sinful or stupid. Okay? Doesn't want you to be happy in that. Now, before we go any further, I do believe that God delights in the happiness of his children. He doesn't like to see us miserable. He likes to see us, us happy. Just like any father would like to see their child happy. Just like as a father, I want to see my daughter happy. But that's not without exception. For example, what if, let's say that your child uh, plays, maybe it's football, maybe it's basketball, soccer, whatever, and they're in a game and you're watching, and they score the winning touchdown, the winning goal, the winning basket, whatever. They're going to be happy. I mean, they're beaming, they're smiling all over the place, and you're going to delight in your child's happiness. Or, or maybe your child's musical. Maybe your child has taken piano lessons and, and they... They've practiced, they've lesson after lesson, they've practiced, they've they've practiced until your ears bleed. You know what I'm talking about if you've had a child go through that. Uh, (laughs) Finally, they get to their recital and they, they play a long, complicated piece flawlessly. And they finish, and the crowd starts, starts applauding, and, and your, your child, whether it's after the score or whether it's after that recital, that performance, they get up, and they're beaming, and they step toward the audience, and they flip them off. <laughs> and I used all fingers. I didn't use just one, so don't freak, okay? Uh, just, <laughs> but they flip them off. Are you delighting in your child's happiness at that time? They're still beaming. They're still feeling good. They're still having a good time. But all of a sudden, we're not delighting in that. Because it's not above all else. We want them to be happy. There are other things that come in place there. Or what about this one? What about when you hear that little voice in your head going, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to make you happy right here. This is going to make you happy. And then the next voice you hear coming out of your mouth is saying, here, hold my beer and watch this. Okay? You're, you're not about to be happy. Now, the people around you probably are because they're going to be laughing at your pain, but you're not going to be so happy. That first little voice was not God, okay? Was not God. But too many times we think that God should want us happy even if we're doing something stupid or even if we're basically flipping off everybody around us. We think he should still want us happy. We take 1 Peter 1.15 where it says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. It seems like we take that and we change holy to happy. To where it reads, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. We start to twist things. When we believe that God wants us happy above all else, that sets us up to think that whatever makes us happy, even if it's wrong, it's okay because God wants us happy. And we start to rationalize our wrongs. 
And we could go through a long list of these, right? I mean, last time I was here, I talked about pie. <laughs> Got some yesterday at the farmer's market. <laughs> Ate one this morning before I left the house. It made me happy. But what if I ate 20 before I left the house? Ooh, I wouldn't be real happy right now. Okay? Or what about some other things like you have a job. God's enabled you, gifted you with talents and abilities to have a job, but you're just not happy in your job. But he's put you in a position where you can pay your bills, where you can support your family, where you can put food on the table. But God wants me happy, so I'll just quit. Uh, do you have something else lined up? No. Has God provided you another avenue? No. Is God moving you somewhere else? No. I'm just not happy. And we quit. Or premarital sex. Sex makes you happy. Don't you lie. I know. But outside of marriage? Well, yeah, it makes me happy. But is it right? No, it's not right. Well, God created sex. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But he also goes on to make it very clear that he created it to have sex within marriage, not outside of marriage. Well, what about our entertainment? When we pay money, basically, to go watch other people sin, specifically at the movies, or on TV for that matter. Where we pay money to go watch other people sin. And we think that's okay. Okay, that makes me happy. That was a good movie. It was good. It's a little bit there. but Or here, Halloween is coming up. You can't really turn on TV without seeing an advertisement for a movie coming out about something demonic. And we go, well, that's going to scare the daylights out of me, but that'll be fun. I'll be happy because I go see that because it'll scare me and I'll get an adrenaline rush and, and, you know, and, and, but we ignore the part that the whole demonic thing is real. And so with that, we become desensitized to what's going on around us in the world that we can't see where a battle is raging for our souls. Or maybe it's just really, really crudely funny. Funny doesn't make a wrong right. God's more interested in you being holy than happy. Okay? Number two, second time that God doesn't want you to be happy is when it's only based on things of this world. When it's only based on things of this world. Um, it's amazing if you do watch TV, when, if you're watching the commercials. The commercials are all about selling you something that's going to make you happy. Right? Going to make you happy. Things like a blanket with holes in it for your arms. Wow. A cream that's going to make you look 20 years younger. A, a pill that's going to make you happy about one part of your life. But if you listen to the whole commercial, they rattle off about 20 things that it's going to destroy in your life. But it's going to make me happy over here. Right? Uh, any of you remember the Thigh Master? 
Oh, my word. Yes, we had one. I will confess. I have repented. I will never have another thigh master. It was something that I am convinced came straight out of the bowels of hell. It was supposed to tone your thighs and your abdomen, and all it did was beat you up and bruise you. Uh, there was nothing good about that contraption. But it's supposed to make us happy. Okay? We've come to believe in this theology of happiness that newer, faster, shinier, bigger, uh, more thrilling, better possessions, uh, more peaceful, better appearance, any of those equal happiness. The world tells us if we have those things, we'll be happy. Not what the Bible says. They're all based on happiness. And they're like counterfeit happiness. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God does not want us happy above all else when our happiness comes from something that is wrong or from the happenings of this world. So if God doesn't want us happy, what does he want? He wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. The Greek word for blessed actually means more than happy. More than happy. Being blessed is far better, and God wants you more than happy. Happiness is based on happenings in the world. Being blessed is based on God's goodness and on his presence. When you're blessed, it does not mean you're going to have necessarily a perfect life, perfect health. doesn't mean that your husband's going to put the toilet seat down. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go great for you. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have times that are storms. So what's it, what it does mean is that you'll experience in those storms the goodness of God and the presence of God and a peace that you can't explain and no one else certainly can explain it. But you know that it's God right there with you in the middle of this. He has not abandoned you. He has not left you. He is with you. You see, when we start to look I mean, even Jesus said in Matthew that the, this world is going to give us problems, but to take heart because he's overcome the world, okay? And the problem is when we start looking for this pain-free, perfect life, and we don't have it, then we start to blame God. We start to blame God. When in reality, God wants to be active in the middle of that. He wants to be there in the middle of that with you. We live in a fallen, sinful, broken world. But God wants to be there with you. In the middle of the storms, you can have a blessing, that supernatural peace, the peace that's going to guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your soul in Jesus. Some of us are in storms right now. Do we blame or do we accept God and be blessed? As you develop a relationship with Christ, it's in those storms 
that you come closer to Christ. I've come closer to Christ on bad days than I ever have on a good day. It's also during those storms that you build perseverance. And the Bible says that we go through those trials, those tribulations, those tough times, those difficulties to build perseverance. Each one of us has a, God has designed a specific plan for me, for you, for every one of us to help advance his kingdom. You're designed and created and given talents and gifts and abilities for a certain, for a certain piece of that plan. And during that perseverance, during those trials, we develop, develop that perseverance so that we can be strong and carry out those plans. Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word delight, and the Hebrew word for delight, actually means pliable and soft, moldable. Basically what the verse is saying is we pursue God, not happiness, but as we pursue God and getting closer to God, better in our relationship with God, we start to enjoy his presence. And as we start to enjoy his presence and be with him more and more, then we start to ask for his will, not mine. And when I ask for his will, regardless of what that is, when I ask for his will so I can advance his kingdom and be part of his plan and carry out the things that he wants me here to do, even if I don't understand it, when I start to ask that for his will, then he starts to give me his desires. And his desires become the desires of my heart. Max Lucado tells a story about a fish. Uh, if you take a fish and you take it out of the ocean and you throw it up on the beach, is the fish happy? That's not a rhetorical question. Is the fish happy? <laughs> no, the fish isn't happy, right? What if we pile up $100,000 around the fish, give it a hundred grand? Is the fish happy now? No. So, okay, so what if we give the fish a lounge chair, a corona, and two really good-looking female fish laying there on the beach with him? Is, is he happy now? No. Some of you hesitated. Don't hesitate. No, he's not. You had to think about that. No, he's not happy. No. We could give him everything that we could give, and he's not going to be happy. King Solomon had everything, had a thousand wives. There is not a fantasy that he could not and probably did not have fulfilled. There's nothing on the earth at that time that he could not buy or have. And in Ecclesiastes, he said, I have it all. But none of it makes me happy. Only God. Why wasn't the fish happy? Even if you give it everything that the world can ultimately offer? Because the fish isn't created for the beach, it's created for the ocean. So what's the point? The point is, you're not created for the earth. You're not created for this world. You're created for heaven. You're, create, you're not created to seek happiness. You're created to seek God. That's what you're created for. The world can't give us the things that will make us ultimately happy. 
something like 90% of the people who win the lottery 10 years later say it was the worst thing that ever happened to them in their life, and their life is far worse off then than it was before they ever won the lottery, and they say they wish they had never won it. How to destroy relationships and everything else because we're looking for happiness in the money, not in God. We all have a void in our heart that only Christ can fill. But yet we spend so much of our time trying to fill that void with something else. Some of you know, some of you have tried everything. Some of you have partied your brains out. You've consumed everything that you could possibly consume. You've had sex with anything that won't outrun you. You have gone from job to job to job to job looking for some happiness. You've moved so many times trying to find a city that you could live in that would make you happy that when you wake up some mornings you're not even sure where you are anymore. And you're still not having that void filled. Only totally submitting to Christ are we going to delight in him and it starts to fill that craving why do I have 25 pairs of shoes it isn't because I need them it's because I look for happiness in the world instead of in God I started off today talking about the first part of of Psalm 97 12 about how may all who are godly rejoice but that whole verse goes on to say may all who are godly rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name rejoice in the Lord find our happiness in the Lord happiness is never going to be found in the happenings on earth lasting happiness joy is only found in the Lord it's deeper than happiness. It's blessings. It's joy. It's peace. It's His power. It's His presence. It's His eternal calling for you. So lower your expectations of the earth. You weren't created for earth. You are created for heaven. God doesn't want you happy when it's sinful or wrong or stupid. He doesn't want you happy when it's based on this world. He wants far more for you. He wants you blessed. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. You are there for us all the time. All the time. But yet we turn around and we look for other places. We look for happiness and joy and, and, our, and fill our hearts with other things. When you're sitting there going, I'm here. Just call on me. Seek me. Let me mold your hearts. Let me give you delight. Let me give you joy that nobody else can explain. Let me put a smile on your face in the worst times of your life so that other people can look at you and say, how are you so happy when you're going through that? And so that you can tell them, it's because of God and they can come to you. Father, help us to use those times. Father, help us to receive your blessings. In your son's name, amen. We have people that will pray for you. Go ahead and stand.
as we close out this morning, we have people that will pray with you. Wesley's in the back. He'll be more than glad to, to spend some time and pray and, and talk about what's going on. If you want to come up front, somebody will meet you up front as well. And Tara's coming up. She'll be up here to pray for you. She's part of our prayer team as well. Don't miss an opportunity to step closer to God, to feel that way.